Hello and welcome to Just One Cornetto, a Green Up Morton podcast. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Morton Forum. All of our panellists appear in a personal capacity and as such, any views expressed are personal to them. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. And welcome to another episode of the Just One Carnetto podcast. Morton made it nine points in eight days, overcoming Queen's Park 1 0 on Saturday. Robin Muirhead's eighth minute opener was enough to separate the sides. George Oakley sent off just before half time. Queen's Park then missed a penalty just in stoppage time at the end of the first half. So, joining me to analyse the game, we have Stuart McGowan. How are you? Smashing, mate. Good to be on. Excellent. And Louise Rogers, who I believe is still trying to piece herself together after the, the recreational women's team had their, their night out on Saturday. Yeah, it was a good night. Um, it was a really, really good laugh. Um, obviously, it's something that Morton and the community have put on for um, kind of women within the community over the age of 18. So um, it was on for 11 weeks there, I think it was. And aye, yeah. it was absolutely brilliant. And it's such a, a kind of good group of girls slash ladies slash women that go as well so um yeah really good and a really good night and um Laura and Layla that run the the course who take us and teach us how to play football on a Wednesday night have have made it really enjoyable so yeah um looking forward to it coming back next year now as well yeah absolutely it was something that we kind of spoke about obviously when when I was in the women's pathway that if you're not playing competitive football then there's not a lot out there for women so and it is, you, you couldn't ask for, for anyone better in, in Laura and Layla. Plenty of experience playing the game. In Laura's case, she's played first-team football for, I think, on seven or eight seasons now. And Layla's a, an excellent, she's got bags of potential, a really good player. So I couldn't ask for anyone better to take it. So, yeah, how many people have you got in it at the moment? Um, well, in the kind of group chat, there's about maybe 40 names in it, but you probably on average on a Wednesday night, you're getting maybe up to 24, 25. I think the kind of highest we got one night, one night was like 29, 30 people. So it's definitely getting a lot more popular. And I, I can only imagine that when it comes back in January that a lot more people um, will know about it and, and hopefully get involved in it because it is a really good thing, not not only to kind of get out there and play football and keep your fitness up, but good to kind of meet other people and help your mental health and you get a good laugh with, with all sorts of different people. So, yeah, if, if anybody's kind of out there struggling or um, played football before or even not played football before and want to start kind of getting in and having a wee kick about, then I would definitely recommend it to anybody that wants to go. Yeah, fantastic. So on to Saturday's game, same lineup as as the midweek one. What do you make of that, Stu? You happy with the same eleven? Uh, I am. The the last time I was on, we were talking about keeping the the same eleven for three games in seven or eight days, and we we weren't so impressed uh, that time. But no, um, <laughs> this time this time it was great. It's just it, it just looks like a Dougie Emery Morton team again. Really, for the first spell in the season, where we've actually had the, the bodies to be play it and make it work. So, um, no, really happy again with what I've seen. Would you reckon, Louise, happy with the, the same start in Arvin? Yeah, I mean, obviously with the last kind of two results prior to Saturday, if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it. So, yeah, it's quite happy. It's good to get a bit of consistency back in the start in 11 with the injuries and stuff coming back. And it's good to see that we're, we're getting a kind of stronger bench and more options if we need to bring them on as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, when you look at those 
there's obviously, I think there's, there's certain similarities with the way that Inverness and Queen's Park try and play. They obviously look to they look to build out from the back. They look to kind of build it centrally. They generally have kind of one one player sitting as a pivot in front of the back four, trying to trying to kind of open the play. And I think we obviously seen Tuesday night the pressing in midfield was excellent and we disrupted Inverness, didn't allow them to say, oh, I think like you said, Stuart's it's back to being that kind of hallmark Dougie Emery side. So yeah, wasn't surprised at all to see us to see us set up with the same eleven. So obviously first half we got off to a dream start. A, a cracking move down the left hand side. Lovely ball into into Crawford. He's pulled it back and and Muirhead's finished it off. What did you make of the first half in general, Stu? I've just really really impressed him. Certainly well we still had eleven players on the park. It was uh, another pretty dominant performance, like especially right through kind of the, the middle of the park and our left hand side. Um Oakley in terrific form I would say just now. He's bossing, you know, kind of balls that are coming into him high and low. The goals come from a ball that the, the keeper's just kinda of knocked in at chest height and he's uh, he's laid it off and the moves just come from there. So um no, it's it was a really really impressive first half. It's it was just kind of carrying on momentum. Um, a couple of players I think uh, are kind of coming back into form. Um, I think Baird and Broadfoot had about as comfortable an afternoon as they're going to have all season. Grant Grant Gillespie, when he plays well, the whole team seems to function. Um, and he's certainly looking more like himself uh, than he has been for most of this season as well. So um, I, I said, well, we had eleven players on the park. It was kind of all systems go, and I would have expected to it stayed that way that we would have ended up winning by three or four in the end. Yeah, anything to add to that for the the performance before the red card, Louise? No, not really. No, it was it was well worked, and um, Strap he made a really good run up the the wing, and he's made such a difference since he's come back. He, he just looks like a totally different animal compared to last season. He's he's looking a lot fitter and a lot stronger. You even see when he's passing the ball and stuff. Um, he's on top form so far, and I think since he's kind of came back, there's it just seems to be like a much stronger unit within the starting eleven. And um, yeah, I, I think Oakley was absolutely brilliant. Um, when he was on the part, he was winning everything. He was he was chasing everything. He was he showed so much strength to win the ball back a few times as well. And um, yeah, it was it was a brilliant first half, probably one of the, the kind of best first halves we've played this season. So we well then obviously got on to the, the kind of first talking point where we hopefully been shown the red card. What was your thoughts, Louise? It was never a red card. Um, we, we were, I mean, we were all a bit kind of kind of shocked, amazed, like why he brought out the red card. I, I actually thought at first he meant to bring out a yellow card and he'd maybe brought out the red card by mistake, but it was just an absolutely shocking decision. Like, to me, from kind of my angle, it was as if they just maybe tripped over each other. Um, there was no no malice. There was there was no um, sort of red mist. So it, it was just really confusing. But no, it, it was never a red card in my eyes. What do you think, Stu? I uh, similarly confused. I've we we obviously seen it from behind. Um, the tackle, you know, kind of where Oakley was facing, and I didn't see it as been a red at the time, and I've since seen it on the highlights as well. And it's a bit hard to say; you can't really see what happens with the contact. But it was just a really quick decision from the referee, and I think that's maybe where he's he's not giving himself any time to kind of process what happened with the tackle. Maybe Emery's going to see something that we've not seen. He did say in his post-match comments he was going to have a look at it, deciding if he wanted to potentially appeal it. Um, it would be hard to say just now whether or not it would be worth appealing it because you still can't really see from any 
solid view what it's for. Is there been any kind of studs involved? It didn't look like it. Didn't look like it kind of raised his foot above where you'd be expecting that kind of tackle to be made. Um, as I said, I think it was just too quick a kind of snap judgment from the referee. And had he taken a, a few seconds to let things calm down, I, I think he'd have just booked him because it didn't look any worse than that to me. Yeah, I think it, it was a clear case of a good tactical foul because <laughs> when the red card came out, I was actually applauding Oakley because he's taken a it's a it's an absolute nail on yellow card to stop a counter attack. The sort of the sort of thing that you absolutely want to see in those sort of scenarios. And I, you know, I was applauding him saying, I excellent, well done, take the book and slow it down. Um and it was utter bemusement when the red came out. Because um, there's there's no malice, he's he's tripped him I he's tripped him, he's absolutely meant to trip him. Stick on booking, we move on. It, it was absolutely baff. Um, the only thing that I can think of, obviously you'd said you're, you're spot on in terms of the, I think the speed of the decision was quite telling. Um, aye, the kind of red card was out, the red card was out almost before the, the defender had hit the ground, which definitely, I think, uh, maybe a wee bit more thinking time for the ref. I think the only thing that I could maybe say is, obviously you, you saw it on Tuesday night, you saw it again on Saturday, Oakley likes to kind of get involved with the centre-backs and, and noise them up a wee bit and it's obviously, it's always a bit of a physical tussle. I don't know if the refs almost jumped to a conclusion and thought, oh, he's just trying to, he's just trying to nail him there. Um, a really, a really poor decision and that's, the I think, the downside of, like, obviously the angle that the highlights capture it at. If I'm being honest, I don't think there's enough in that video that's going to clear, that that's going to pass an appeal, which is really unfortunate because... Not only has Oakley been in terrific form, Oakley's a massive part of how we play, but yeah, for me it's it's absolutely not a red card and a really poor piece of officiating. And on that subject, a few minutes later, aye, do you want to talk us through the penalties too? I wish I could. Um, <laughs> it's it's even worse than the, the red cards. I said that maybe the referee's seen something that's prompted them to bring out a red instead of a yellow, but the penalty I've seen back at a couple of different angles and I just don't think anything different than I thought at the time. It's just incredibly soft. Um, I just don't see a, a foul in there anywhere. Um, and lucky for us, um, a combination of excellent goalkeeping from Mullen and it being a poor penalty has uh, is saved that from taking potentially taking points off is that we would never have deserved. Um, no, um, at that point, I thought the referee had just lost the plot. Um, really poor decision again. Yeah, I would, I would love to have a look at the referee's uh, match report to see what he's, uh, to see what he's thinking was behind those two decisions. In fact, we even mentioned it just before we come on there that it might have been the assistant linesman on that uh, the stand side that's given the, the penalty, which. Um, Again, you'd be you'd be amazed at that for the for how little officials, uh, especially the assistants, get involved in championship football games. So I think we've been on the end of a, a couple of sore ones there. Would you reckon, Louise? What was your take on the penalty? Again, it it, it was not a penalty. Um, he, he seemed to kind of header it, and then he just kind of fell over. I, I don't think French actually touched him at all, and the ref didn't point to the spot straight away. The, the play went on. It, it got kicked out for either a, a um, corner or a, a throw-in. I can't remember what it was, but the, I don't even think anybody was kind of. There was no part players even appealing to get the penalty either. So it was just it was totally baffling. Um, and I, I suppose it was karma that um, Mullen did save the penalty in the end because 
um, it, it was justice that the fact it was just another absolutely terrible decision and um, yeah the, the last kind of five minutes of that half the officials did not exactly cover themselves in any, any glory at all during that No and I think as well when you look at you look at the decision and it's actually it's almost we we kind of joke about John McGinn and how he uses his arse and how he uses his body to, to mm. kind of turn players there was almost a wee bit of that where French kind of gets his body in the way puts his arse in the way and I, I can't remember who it goes down to win the penalty, but I, they've just fell over. Like, there's not. French has done very little wrong. I know it's not as if he's raised an elbow. It's not as if he's tripped him. He's not blocked him from getting the ball. All he's done is stood his ground, which he's, he's absolutely entitled to do. And because I'd had a little look at, at the rest stats, I'd had a wee, bit, a wee bit of a look at Grant Orvin's record. Now, because at first I'd suspected that this was going to be another case of our and I was getting a referee that had been shunted up the up the kind of refereeing pathway too quickly. But last season he was used in championship games, premiership games, um, very card happy, which obviously we can tell, I think, across his his twenty nine games last season he's dished out six red cards. Um you then look at this season, I think this is his fifth red card in sixteen games. Wow. Which is obviously quite telling as a referee. Um so yes. Not shy in getting the cards out, as we obviously will we'll talk about in the second half, but aye, just a really, really poor five or ten minutes of officiating. And you've then got to wonder, is this back to the, you know, we've obviously seen it with in Duncan Ferguson's post-match. Now that we're starting to hit form again, it's back to kind of big, bad physical Morton. And aye, you've almost got to wonder if that's in referees' heads, because when things like this do happen, it seems to just be that there's just a, there was an absolute litany of shite decisions being made on Saturday, and I kind of said to the folk round about is half time came at the right time for the referee because the last kind of ten minutes now obviously there've been a couple of incidents on Queens Park. To me anyway, it was very obvious that Queens Park were ta- were um, were targeting Strap, and he really collected a few sore ones. I think by the time the red card had been given, I think there'd already been kind of two or three coming together with the two sets of players. There'd been a couple of really quite borderline tackles by a few Queen's Park players that had went unchallenged. I think Gillespie probably should have been booked in the first half. I can't remember what he'd done now exactly off the top of my head. But there was a few times where there was quite a lot going unpunished and they then looked at going from both sides. Because I don't think it wasn't a case of the referee punishing us. I think it was a referee that just absolutely lost the lost the plot. And I think we saw it in the last couple of minutes. But... Yeah, I think half-time absolutely came at the right time for the ref because I think he just needed out of there to, come, to gather his thoughts and, and get us back to the second half. So, second half obviously comes, we're a man down, we've kind of went, initial stages it looked as if we'd went, we kind of 4-3-2, then as the kind of game progressed on we went 4-4-1. What did you make of the kind of shape and the setup in the second half, Louise? I think it made sense. Obviously, we were we were in the lead, and you knew that sort of Queens Park were going to come out, and they were going to attack, attack, attack. But I thought we handled it really well, and Ryan Mullen was absolutely outstanding. Um, sometimes when <clears throat> when you're kind of under the course like that, and you're down to ten men, and you know they're going to litter our box, but Ryan Mullen was just so calm, composed that whole uh, the whole game, not not just the second half, but the whole game. He just gathered everything up. Um, you just knew any time the ball was going to go in the box, he, he was going to come and get it. He that doesn't drop many of the balls and things. Um, I thought the defence held their shape really well. But we were still obviously pushing up. But we still had a few chances. Um, we obviously had the Lewis McGrattan shot. Um, so it's not it's not as if we like 
proper sat back the whole time, but um, they were really, really good. And, and you just seen that sort of passion and, and will to get through it at the end. And, and you could tell at the end there was, there was just such a relief. And we totally deserved to win it. Um, you felt when Queen's Park were attacking, they weren't troubling us at all. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they're probably going to be in, in quite a big bit of trouble this season. But um, yeah, I, I think it was the right thing to kind of go with the one up front. And Robin Muir had put in an absolute power of a shift. Um, he was totally dead on his feet by the end of the game. But um, aye, we, we totally deserved to win it in the end. We, we were the best team by far. Who do you reckon, Stu? Yeah, we'd, we'd echo a lot of what Louis said there. I thought we, we dealt with, um, I, I was going to say pressure, but it's not even the word. It's just really possession at Queen's Park had in the second half. Um, they were they were pretty poor, um, to, to be honest with you, using their man advantage. While they had lots of the ball, I can only really remember the, the one kind of really good save that Mullen had to make, uh, tipping the ball around the post. Um, and, and that was about the only time Queen's Park really threatened their goal. Again, I agree with Louise. I think Mullen just looked like a good, safe pair of hands. The defence were obviously confident in him uh, and with, with good reason. He was very, very, very assured around his box. Um, yeah, um, I, I was I was interested to see how we would get on leaving Muirhead up top on his own. Obviously, he had to be kind of isolated with how deep we were sitting at certain points in the game, but um, he, he did. He, he put in fantastic shift um, and really kind of carried us up that, that end of the park to the end of the game. Um no, the, the second half was just about digging our trenches and making sure that we, we weren't going to concede that goal. And I thought that in every position on the park, we, we just want, wanted the points more than Queen's Park did. So, no, we, we fully deserved what we got in the end. Yeah, I think so. I think as well, it was something that I'd meant to mention in the first half. I think the only time that, that Queen's Park had really come into it in the first half was after Wilson went off. Now, hopefully, it's not as bad as first feared because I think Wilson in the last six weeks has been our best player. And... Again, he, there's, I don't think there's anyone in our current squad that can bring what Wilson brings to our midfield in terms of that energy, protecting the back four. Gillespie's been fantastic, like mentions too, but again, he's maybe got a little bit more of an impact with the ball, setting the tempo in terms of work rate, getting over, just we daft things like those kind of 10, 15-yard shuttle runs to make sure that the fullbacks always get a pass inside. That's something that I think Wilson does very, very well. And... To lose him so early, to then go with, obviously, Gillespie and, and Power in midfield, not a great deal of legs between the two of them, but I think they both managed their game excellently, so obviously, both them went down to the 10 men, and that ramps up the pressure on them, but I thought the midfield was absolutely outstanding, you look at, back four were solid, um, I think you mentioned Beard and Broadfoot have, have built up that partnership, you can see that they've got confidence in Mullen behind them, but... I thought the, the defensive shift that the, that the midfield put in was absolutely incredible. And you look, we were, we were dogged. We didn't let them build anything up through the middle. The amount of times that they had, a, it's a kind of phrase I throw, a lot, throw about quite a lot, it, the amount of times that they just had pointless possession. They were so powder puffed. Now you look, when you've got players like Don Thomas at the, the top end of the pitch, get the ball into him. You know, Don Thomas is an absolutely cracking player, but didn't get anywhere near, he didn't get a great service into him on Saturday, as a result of that he's not really contributed much and you look, surely I know that Queen's Park have got this model where they're trying to eat young players in and, and kind of bleed them in, but it must be so frustrating if you're if you're a Queen's Park striker, because it's 17 passes when four would do, and when you look, not once did they really carve us open, they've obviously Mullins made that, that great save round the post, but yeah, Absolutely credit to us for, for managing the game. I think Muirhead was absolutely outstanding. When you look at, there was a few times where he maybe didn't 
cover the ground and didn't hold the shape, but you could tell that he was conserving energy and, and really managing his game and his energy levels because there were maybe three or four instances in the second half where you thought he was he was dead on his feet, but we then needed that out ball and he would just find it and he would ju- he would find that little bit of energy to get us up the park, win through wins, win corners. Um, but yeah, I thought second half, defensively we were outstanding. The shape was excellent. I think absolutely massive credit to, to Emery for getting that spot on and I think as well you look like guys like Broadfoot Power, Guys, guys in the back line, we used the ball so, so well. Daft as it sounds, see just that diagonal ball up the park towards the corner flag. If we can get up to win something, um, if we can get up to get the ball out for a throw-in up there, fine. If not, just to get that wee reprieve, I thought we were, to a man, we were absolutely incredible that second half on Saturday. And I think, like you said, Louis absolutely thoroughly deserved the points. I think as well, like towards the end, you could see the players were tired, they were struggling. But I think the fans also played a big part because... We were kind of cheering them on, like, the last few minutes, just going like that, come on, we've not got long to go, let, let's do this sort of thing. And you could see that kind of coming through at the players as well. So um, I think the fans did, did play a, a wee part um, in the end as well, just kind of getting through it. Yeah, I'd say so. I think it's, the atmosphere obviously helped and you could tell we were right up against it. And yeah, I think the, the crowd definitely gave the players the backing that they, that they deserved. So tell you what, looking elsewhere in the Championship on Saturday... I broke with a big 2-1 win up at Inverness. Partick beat Fairland 2-1. Air 1-0 win against Airdrie. And Race Rovers beating Dundee United. Probably the, the kind of headline result of the weekend. Who were the big winners for you this weekend, Stu? Um, I think our both are going to be delighted with that result. That's uh, that's properly stopped the rot for them. Yeah. Um, and not just that, but um, it's a big, big hope momentum for Inverness. They've had quite a bounce since Ferguson came in, but you wonder if that's maybe the end of it now. Um Yep. Obviously, Wraith, um, it's incredibly annoying for me to try and give them any credit. They're starting to really do my head in now. If they could stop winning, I would really appreciate it. Um, but I, but they, they, and, they and Arbroath will be the, the happiest this weekend, I'm sure, other than us. Yeah, I think you could actually make a, you could probably make a case for the significance of all the results. Obviously, Air have really struggled at home this year. I think that might only I think that might be their first home win of the season. Um, all their kind of big results this year have came on the road, so big result for Air. I think, like you said, it's a big big test for Ferguson now. Now that it does, it certainly appears that the new manager bounces over trying to manage that group of players into two game. You know, kind of into playing midweek all the way down to Greenock, all the way back up. That's that's a big ask for those players. And obviously, yeah, the, the big result with Wraith Rovers beating Dundee United. What do you reckon, Louise, in terms of title favourites? You still reckon Dundee United are the champions-elect, or do you fancy Wraith to, to do something? I think it'll go to the wire. Um, obviously, Dundee United are the big favourites, and, and rightly so. They've, they've probably got the best team in the championship, but Wraith are, are running them ragged. I mean, the amount of last-minute winners they're getting um, the last few weeks is is absolutely incredible. Um, I think Dundee United yeah. have maybe got the game in hand against us. Um, so that that will be a tough game for them. So, um, But yeah, it, it was a massive result for Wraith and I, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if, if Wraith did finish top, if, if they kind of doing what they're doing. But I think Dundee United will maybe just have that edge. To, um, they've probably got like the kind of bigger squad and things. I think they might just have the, the edge at the end of the season. But fair play to Wraith, they're having an absolutely brilliant season. 
yeah, so looking towards the championship table, Wraith top on 39, Dundee United second on 34, obviously game in hand, like Louise had mentioned. Party and Dunfermline in the top four, you've then got 17 points, you've got us, Ayr and Airdrie, 16 points in Nurnes, 15 Broth in 9th, 30 Queen's Park on 10th. What do you make of Queen's Park's chances of survival this year, Stu? Um, based on their current squad and the form they're in, not good, you would have to say. Um, again, they had every every chance, really, that they could possibly have been afforded to get a result out of Saturday's game there, with the, yep. the red card and the penalty. Um, and they never took advantage of either of the two. So no. um, they've probably gone through a spell of games that you would say are quite winnable for them. You know, they, they get battered off uh, Inverness as well, I think, the week before. Yep. So... Um, no, I would say uh, at the minute, unless some big changes in terms of their personnel and the kind of football they're playing, they look pretty doomed. I think so. I think as well, you look at the model that they're trying to build, where it's all, we're going to get youngsters in from abroad and, and kind of get them get them first team experience and then hopefully sell them on. Now, that Queen's Park team, almost reminiscent of the Falkirk team that went down um, out of this division, never to return, which of course is a terrible, terrible wee shame. Um <laughs> But you look at that model that they're trying to build, there's this, you seem to get clubs that try it in the championship where they think that, oh no, we're going to bring these maybe kind of technically gifted youngsters with, with potential into the league and it's all going to work out fine. I I can't think of a single club that have made, that have ran with that model in the championship and had a success of it. So I think the next managerial appointment is going to be big, whether they look to implement, whether they look to appoint someone who's going to carry on that model and continue that work with a possible threat of relegation or do they look at a different type of appointment and maybe risk a manager whose style doesn't suit the players at his disposal? So I think that that is going to be a tough one. But I think people need to realise that you can't rock it. It's not a case in the Championship of rocking up with maybe some technically gifted players and it all just falls into place. It's Obviously, Emery talks about it quite a lot. You've got to kind of scratch and bite your way, you know, kick, scratch and bite your way to success in the Championship and... I think this Queen's Park have that about them at all. Pragmatic enough, I think that's, I think that's the problem. Yeah, they can be they can be realistic about what you need to do to stay in the championship, um, and that's maybe not going to be adhering to the same football and philosophy every week. It's uh, it's all all good in theory, I would say, but you'll see from the results, it's just not going to bear out for them. They'll end up back in in League One or worse before long. Yeah, no, I think I yeah, I'd be very very surprised if they if they stay up. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a big, it's going to be a tough ask for them. I think you then look at, I mean, you look could be anyone. Obviously, our our run of results has been excellent, but there's still not a lot of gap. You look at those four points between fifth and bottom. Really, anyone from ourselves down could realistically still finish ninth or tenth. It's I think so far from what I've seen, not impressed with a growth. Definitely not impressed with Queens Park. I still wouldn't rule in Vanessa out either though. I think everyone above that should maybe just have enough. But for me, that'll be what order they'll finish in, I'm not sure. But for me, anyway, that's my that's my prediction for the bottom three this year. Saturday will be massive as well, obviously, going away to Airdrie. Um, we've not kind of beat them yet this season. So if we go there and get a, a good result again, then it will hopefully set a marker for the rest of the season. Well, that was an excellent segue. Yes, how would you line up on Saturday, Louise? I'd probably just go with the same. I'd, I obviously don't know if Oakley will... will um, if his red card will be appealed, um, if it gets appealed and we win it, then I would start him. But if not, um, what, who would I go? I don't know. I'd probably put, stick um, your head up top and then I'd, I'd probably bring in McGratton. Um, come in. I, I wouldn't make too many changes if, if no injuries and things. I would stick to what we've got and just make that one one kind of change if, if hopefully it's still out. 
What do you reckon, Stu? Yeah, I think I think McGratton coming in for Oakley is probably a, a safe shout. Um, I'm operating on the assumption that he's not going to be playing and we might just need to take a, a suspension on the chin. Hopefully no worse than one game. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it, it depends as well on whether or not Wilson makes the, the next game. Yeah. If he makes it, then you'd like to think that um, you know possibly a wide player coming in to support Muirhead would be the only change we'll make. Um, Bernd and McGratton have obviously both been in good form recently, but if we need to make that change, possibly you have power coming in for Wilson. I prefer not to see power playing 90 minutes, not because I don't think he's a good player, but I just think uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of him now that his minutes have been managed a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he can, if Wilson can make it, then yeah, I think McGratton in for, for Oakley, um, and then maybe just playing with a, a three behind Muirhead would be would be my preference. We'll see. Yeah, I think it is. It's, it's difficult at the moment. We obviously don't know if the club are going to appeal Oakley's red card. Then I think the rules have been changed where the appeal will be decided ahead of Saturday. So we should know either way. But like I said, I don't think I don't think there's enough. I don't think there's a clear enough view of it on the highlights that will clear him. I think we're just going to need to take this one on the chin. That's obviously very tough, especially knowing that Muirhead's one yellow card away from a, a suspension. So you're then asking on Saturday, you're asking Muirhead to walk a bit of a tightrope, knowing that if he gets booked, then we're getting into the next game without Oakley or Muirhead, which does create a, a real problem. I think Power, eh, sorry, Wilson missing out will be a big loss. Um, fingers crossed. I think you're... I think you're spot on in what you said with Power. I would caveat that by saying I think he's he's been excellent the last two games. And if it has just been a case of obviously he's he's a wee bit older now, it's maybe taking him maybe like Broadfoot, it's maybe just taking him a wee bit of time to find his feet. But yeah, it's I know exactly what you said. I I know it it will be a big struggle to get ninety minutes out of him week in, week out, I think. Managing minutes and bringing him on to do a, a specific job at a specific time of the match is maybe where he's at right now in terms of his fitness and his mobility, which I think is going to be the best use of him. But if Wilson's not there, then yeah, you're left with that with that dilemma. I would maybe, depending on what kind of what kind of players we've got available to us, I'd maybe look at putting Blues back into right back. I think French has been the last couple of games. Opposition teams haven't really taken advantage of it, but he's been very nervy. I know he's just coming back from from a quite a serious injury. He doesn't look to be the he doesn't look to be the player that the Dundee fans were raving about last year. And yeah, I think when you look at Airdrie, have got I think more quality in wide areas than either Inverness or Queens Park have. So yeah, I'd potentially look at Blues in there, but again, that entirely depends on how Wilson is and how Power is. That's that's going to be a big ask. So, yeah, kind of tough, tough way to pick a line-up at the moment. But, yes, we're obviously January on the horizon. Do you anticipate any transfer business coming into? It's going to depend, on it, on if there's going to be money made available to the manager and the budget, um, if, if players are going to make way. If the likes are, we've, we've got Strap who's signed until the end of January, I'm not sure what chances are of uh, Lewis staying any longer than that. You would like to think, based on the performances he's been putting in, that the staff at the club would be really keen on that and, and doing a deal to get that extended to the end of the season. I mean, that would be, be like having a new signing. That would be great yeah. news for us, I think. You've then got, uh, we've got uh, Garrity and King out on loan at the minute as well. Depending on what areas of the park we're maybe covering, you could see King being recalled from Clyde. Uh, we've then got Wilson. I don't think his loan deal is much longer than January either, is it? So he could be going back the other way. 
once again, that might be dependent on what's what's going on. Injury picked up on Saturday, and, and how long that that might need treatment for. Um, yeah. I there's, I, I think even if there is money made available to the manager, it's going to be tight in terms of being able to bring anybody else in. So we're going to be dependent on a few factors with loan players going in and out, whether strap gets offered. You would like to think there'll be a bit of money made available to the manager. I think we've, he's shown that he's you know capable of riding out tough periods. This is the first one he's had with the club. So if there's anything there available to back the manager, I would I would certainly hope make it available to him. What do you think, Louise? Yeah, I think we'll probably um, see a bit of movement. I think there's obviously talk that French could potentially be heading back to Dundee and, and if Strap's not going to be staying any longer than um, the end of January, then we'll be possibly looking to get um, a couple of fullbacks in. Um, depending if we get any more injuries, I, I don't know if it'd be worth getting in maybe another kind of backup striker, winger, if, if Jai's going to be um, kind of a bit more injury prone this season, but I think obviously with the injuries and stuff that are kind of starting to come back. Um, as to said, I think that um, King and Gary will be back in January, so we've we've kind of got that cover as well. But um, yeah, I think I think Dougie will will maybe bring in a couple of players, but I don't think he'll go kind of overboard. Think things are looking a lot better compared to what they were a week or two ago with players coming back and stuff. So. Um, yeah, I, I think um, if he has got money, then they'll maybe bring in one or two kind of quality players. But I mean, last kind of, I don't know if Ali Crawford was the transfer window or not last year, but um, hopefully there won't be yep. any signings like that this one. Yeah, it, it's tough because we do have that. It, we have had that run of run of bad luck with injuries this year, and I think it's it's always going to be the risky run. Um, we all know that Katongo is very injury prone, but. I think it's absolutely all credit to certainly Bairn. Bairn's improved a hell of a lot from the player that we've seen maybe in the first kind of quarter of the season. He's It he looks as if he's went away and really worked his game and he's starting to get the rewards from that. McGratton's come into a little bit better form. I think the opening, maybe the opening quarter of the season, he really, really, he's really, really struggled times this year. You look, we've not had that permanent right back. It was going to be Hartness, to be French, who I don't think settled in. I wouldn't be upset if... By the time January comes, O'Connor's up to match fitness. If that's the case, yeah, I'd be. I wouldn't be against Hartness going back to. Sorry, French going back up to Dundee and us maybe looking to bring in another body defensively. I, if possible, I would quite like to leave King where he is. I think we've got enough about us in midfield now where that is an option. I think King's still in a place where learning how to be learning how to be a consistent threat across 90 minutes rather than a player who just delivers in moments across a game is the kind of next step to his development and I don't think us bringing him on for 15 or 20 minutes here and there is going to do any difference. I don't see how Garrity improves us. That's, if we're going to bring him in to fill out the bench every week then fine but that's, it doesn't really help his development or us as a team. I think you look at wide options we've got when they're all fit. You've got Katongo, Boyd, Bairn, McGratton and Muirhead are all better wide options than Garrity at this point in time. So I think I'd be I'd be leaving I'd be leaving Garrity where he is, maybe with a potential to moving him on in the summer. But yeah, it's it's tough because we have had that run of injury. If at all possible, and it's I know we have to be conservative and we have to be hard headed with our budget now that we are fan owned, but I think we would be well placed maybe stretching the budget to to try and bring at least one more player in to absolutely guarantee that come the end of the season we're not ninth or tenth because we obviously we've we've kind of ridden the storm and hopefully this week's been the kind of the starting point where we can really kick on and 
and get a little bit further up the table because I, I don't think it's a particularly great championship this year. I think it's going to be similar to last year where whoever can stay clear injuries in the second half of the season is going to have a right good go at it. There's absolutely nothing to suggest that if we've got a full squad that we couldn't try and hunt down Dunfermline or Partick. But the flip side of that is another poor run of form. If we start conceding goals again, then there's absolutely nothing to stop us finishing ninth or 10th either. So if, yeah, if we can make a little bit of money available, then absolutely. Um, I think Strap's a, Strap's a tough one. It wouldn't surprise me if he's only here to get kind of games under his belt before he looks to, to maybe move to another club in January. If he does that, he'll do it with our best wish. But if we can agree something to keep him here, then I think I think we've seen exactly how much he adds in the last uh, the last week or so. So he would be a, a massive, massive boost heading into the, the end of the season. Yeah, I agree with all that. I, um, just what you said there about Dunfermline as well, I, I was thinking about this earlier on. They're four points ahead of us just now, but they're way cut off from, from third and above. Yeah. Um, we're maybe coming into the part of the season where you'll see what they've got and whether or not they get dragged into this same fight where we really are. The, the six teams below them, um, they're, they're not that yeah. far away from any of them, so they could yet still get dragged in as well. Yeah, I think there's, I would like to think, just like I'd said, I, I think there's enough kind of, there's enough poorer teams below them that I don't think they'll be necessarily panicking yet, but we know how tight this league is. Four points is absolutely nothing. You look at, we've gained, we've gained nine points in games where I think we were on, what, eight points heading into it. So that's how quickly this league can turn and yeah, you're absolutely spot on. I think if we can get players back fit and if we can keep up this run of momentum there's absolutely no reason why we couldn't be hunting them down that's but if I was the manager I would be absolutely knocking that idea straight out the players heads I would still be hammering home the message that no we're still in a relegation dogfight we still stick to what we're good at we still disrupt teams we still go and be aggressive in in transitions and we'll get the rewards I think that's if I was the manager I'd be very much trying to keep the players feet on the ground at the moment but yeah if we can put another result on the board on Saturday, then aye, that's maybe when you do maybe start to, to cast eyes up the table. The time to do it is going to be when there's some significant daylight between us and the place. Yeah. And at so, the minute there's not, so aye, one step at a time. Yeah, so tell you what, we will leave it there. So Louise, pleasure as ever, thanks for coming on. No problem, thanks for having me. Lovely. Stuart, thanks for coming on, pleasure to speak to you. Cheers mate, likewise. Lovely, and we'll be back after the Airdrie game. Obviously, I wasn't on last week's episode, but 150 episodes is absolutely wild, considering this was a kind of wee daft lockdown project. So, a massive thank you to to everyone that listens, especially, obviously, you two guys on the panel, all the panellists. It's not the easiest thing to, to get a microphone in front of you and to kind of talk about football and talk about Morton. So, absolutely couldn't do it without all our panellists so absolutely thank you to all of them thanks to everyone for listening and we'll be back next week this is an important message from the tale of the bank credit union remember that we are here for you we share this message often because it's important don't get hooked in by loan sharks avoid the pitfall of debt solutions stop take a breath and consider your options tale of the bank credit union are inverclyde's credit union We are non-profit making and put our members first. Call us for a confidential chat before falling into the trap of high-rate lenders or debt solutions that aren't right for you. Contact us via creditunioninverclyde.com by phone on 01475 734 655 or via our social media feeds and see how Inverclyde Credit Union can support you to save, 
borrow and plan for tomorrow. Well, that's the show, folks. Remember to check out themortonforum.com for the latest Morton news, discussion and articles featuring the excellent match photography of GBR photographs. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and we'd love to hear your feedback or questions on any of our social platforms at the Morton Forum. Give me God bless.